Welcome to episode 130 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, I guess up front, I should apologize because we didn't have an episode last week. That, that was my fault. I mean, sort of. You were out of town, but also like my life just got so insane that I realized there was no time for me to edit. Yeah. And so I just decided to not do it. <laughs> Uh, only our third time ever in three years. Not I know, having so we, so we get one per year. Yeah, that's true. We already actually. burned it. Yeah, that's we kind of shitty. Fuck, man. <laughs> we, just... we, we messed this up. We burned that <laughs> super quick. No, like, well, look, the, the reality... This is also our three-year anniversary was last week. Uh, yeah, we didn't put an episode out during our three-year anniversary. Whoops. Nor did we do anything to celebrate the... 27th, 8th. 28th. I think we, yeah, we started the 25th anniversary of Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the 28th anniversary. Uh, I mean, the, the reality is, like, both of our lives got really insanely hectic recently. So the goal will still always be to try and get an episode out every week yeah. as much as we possibly can. We'll try and maybe, like, cash some bonus episodes for these sort of situations. But, uh, you know, we'll, we're just doing our best, guys. We, we couldn't give you another bonus between Zeta. Really, that, that was We the have thing. been dragging this thing out mm-hmm. for quite some time. But don't worry, we're back. With more Zeta. I think this is the first time in a while we have back-to-back Zeta episodes. Uh, I think we've always done bonus between them. I think we have, yeah, we've had a lot of breaks. I mean, we're trying to get through it. Not because, like, look, the Zeta episodes have been fine. I think yeah. they've, they've been getting better. I'm starting to see, like, the potential in the series. I, I'm sure we reached the point where we really like it right before mm-hmm. it's going to end. It, it ends. But um, also, it's not our fault. It's just all of the entertainment things also happen to come out at the same time. Yeah, that's absolutely Comic-Con, true. Comic-Con, D23, Fast and Furious... Yeah, it, it's it's been a lot a lot of interruptions. We had that Sporkle showdown we just did randomly once. Yeah, for the hell of it. That that's for fun. That's for us. <laughs> that was just for fun. But yeah, we got some back to back Zeta, uh, and we're also gonna be talking Young Justice season three because I finally finished it. You did. I did. So we'll we'll talk about that in plugs. Uh, but in the meantime, relatively short news section. There's kind of just one major thing uh, that happened this week, which was that James Gunn announced the cast for his Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, and it's packed. It's a doozy, so I got it up here. I'm going to read it out. Okay. All right. So, uh, David Dasmalkian. Don't know who that is. Uh, he is... Definitely read that as Duchovny. Oh, my God. I would love it if it was David <laughs> Duchovny. No, David Dasmalkian, he's in Ant-Man. He's, um, like, the Eastern European guy. Oh, he's Polka Dot Man. Yes, he's going to be Polka Dot Man. Gotcha. So we got him. We got right. some John Cena, some Jai Courtney I'm returning. I'm super pumped for John Cena. Of course you are. Uh, Jai Courtney returning, of course, Captain Boomerang. Uh, Joaquin Cosio, I'm not sure who he's going to be. Nathan Fillion, yep, Joel Kinnaman, uh, of course, returning as Rick Flag. When I when I read that, for some reason, my brain just wasn't putting those letters together, and I read it as Nicole Kidman. Again, also, I, I uh, love your fantasy casting. Yeah. You're missing for a fantasy casting on this just as much. I was like, what is she doing in she this? She has everything. Yeah, she's returning as Queen What's Her Bucket. Oh, that's right. <laughs> from Aquaman. Forgot, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got um, Myling Ng, Flula Borg, who I'm Flula. super excited for. I love I Flula. Love Flula. Uh, Sean Gunn, of course. Juan Diego Boda, uh, Storm Reed, Pete Davidson, Taika Waititi. So pumped for Pete. I'm pumped I, for Taika. I hope he's just in it for like two minutes. He, I he hope he's playing nails. himself. Yeah, well, he's so good at those like two-minute cameos. Yeah. Are you he saying thrives the, off of those. The less of Pete Davidson, the better? No, it's, I, he's just so good at that thing. Yeah, like that little moment. Yeah, I feel like the more he's in the movie, he like, it's not on his acting ability. I feel like it's how much he cares about the project. Yeah. Is after those two minutes, he's just like, is done being on set. I, yeah, I would love if he had just like a brief little moment. Yeah. That he pops in there. 
Uh, of course, Taika Waititi, who everything that Taika's involved in is better for it. In, uh, especially Green Lantern. Spe- oh, that's right. He was in Green Lantern. He's returning as... As the friend. As the friend. Yes, the American friend. Right. Uh, Alice Braga, Steve Agee, another comedian I'm super excited to see okay. thrown in here. Love me some Steve Agee. Uh, Tanasha Kahesi, Daniela Melchior, mm, Pe- Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Peter, like, the what? doctor. We got a Fucking doctor Peter in here. Capaldi? Uh, have you ever seen any of uh, In the Loop or The Thick of It? No. You've probably seen the moments, though. It's like the, the show where he just swears up a storm left and right. Okay. It's the same creator uh, from Veep, Armando Iannucci, who's just a, a fucking genius when it comes to creative swearing. It's so good. He's so good. I love Peter Capaldi. Uh, Julio Ruiz, Jennifer Holland, Viola Davis, of course, returning as Amanda mm-hmm. Waller, Idris Elba. The Driss. Big Driss Big Driss. Uh, we don't know who. Probably Bronze Tiger. That's the, yeah, that, that's the heavy the rumor, rumor yeah. at this point. Uh, and then, of course, Margot Robbie mm-hmm. returning as Harley Quinn. And Michael Rooker, because it wouldn't Returning be... Returning as Mary Poppins. Exactly, as Mary Poppins. It would not be a James Gunn movie without some Michael Rooker. Yes. This is a phenomenal cast. Oh, and then the tag with it, I think, is also important to keep in mind. Don't get too attached. Yes. Yeah, so I feel so. like a lot of these people are going to die really quick. Uh, Pete Davidson? Yes. going to go real fast. He's going to be the, the, the Jai Courtney of this one. Uh, no, he's going to be the... Oh, yeah. Who, who is... Uh, who, uh, uh, rope Wolf something? Hmm? The, the rope guy. Yeah. Who got his head blown off. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name, though, because no one got attached to him. Right. Because he was in the movie for five minutes, punched a woman, and then died. Yeah. But not for punching a woman. No. But yeah, that's just what he did. He just, but deserving. Yeah. Deserving of his death. What was his name? I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it not, it's not Slipknot. important. Yes, that's Is it. Slipknot? Yeah, it's Slipknot. Okay, I just made that up. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's actually correct. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Look, I mean, this is a phenomenal cast. Now, the real question, though... Are you actually any more excited to see this movie? I, I think I reached peak excitement <clears throat> um, after Taika and Nathan Fillion. I, the rest okay. of the cast I'm excited for, but yeah. like those two are the most like, like I love these guys. And I, I like James Gunn a lot as a filmmaker. I like this cast. I just worry Warner Brothers maybe still hasn't learned their lessons. Yes. yes. Now the I, conversation point we continue to have on this podcast. Yeah, I I didn't watch the uh, the leaked Birds of Prey trailer. I think you did though. I did. It's it's so short. Okay. Because it's not. Oh, it's a teaser. It's I not even a trailer. What? I did. I did see it. Now I think about yeah, it. it. It's twenty seconds of kind of character flashing at you. It it just still felt like it was trying real hard to be grungy, and dirty, and like it's all dark but with like neon lights going on in the background and i think the the biggest takeaway from it i don't remember a lot of neon i think the biggest takeaway is we saw the new harley she's no longer in like the skimpy oh yeah uh baseball bat outfit which is a good thing i never really loved the skimpy baseball bat outfit Mm -hmm. um yeah i just i don't i am gonna continue to be very very skeptical about this because i just don't feel like they've really earned our faith yeah. Yeah. So I was I was on the note of the the skimpy the skimpy outfits as we love to talk about on this podcast um, frequently. Yeah, I was rewatching some films, some like mid two thousands films, and talk like thinking about how far we've come in. Uh, it's kind of like gender neutral films. We've so much less like gratuitous sexy scenes now i feel like yeah 
which I think is awesome. I, it's, it's not something I, I, it's been such a slow process. I've never like gone back to see kind of the leap we've made so far. And it's kind of cool. No, it, it is good. I mean, you, you think about um, early 2000s movies, you know, if you want to look at superheroes specifically, you know, you look like the X-Men. It's men in, like, all of them are in, like, just bulky leather suits. Yeah. The women are in the same suits, but, like, they're, like, the front is, like, zipped way open. There's so much cleavage. Mm-hmm. Or you're Mystique, and you're basically just naked on screen. Right. Or, like, you get, like, Daredevil in a leather suit and Elektra in, like, a leather hot pants and a sports bra, basically. Mm-hmm. Catwoman in whatever the fuck she's wearing. <laughs> um, yeah, like... I, know, it, I was talking to uh, one of the girls in my boxing gym, uh, and she's like, yeah, in sixth grade, I was really into the Catwoman movie, which I've never heard anyone say. No, uh, no, no, like, no. I, just, I, I begged my mom to let me dress up like that, but she said no. Uh, and it was only like two years after that I realized I was a lesbian. It wasn't the outfit. It was just Halle Berry that I wanted. I, I understand. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I completely understand. I, uh, I was recently listening to... Because like, there's no way you actually wanted to like that movie. You just wanted to like Halle Berry. Understandable. Yeah. I, I feel like Halle Berry, very hit or miss. But when she hits, she hits. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Catwoman, though, as far as I was like, going to say, you, you don't know if it's a hit or miss. Yeah, I feel like that's a miss. From Halle everything. Berry hit movie. Like, it's not even on, on the table at miss so far. I mean, we're, we're going to get to it as we keep threatening at some point to yeah. do all these live action movies. <laughs> we'll get to it. Like I like I totally get that. I was recently rewatching the uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, and I look back on it now. I'm like, oh, like I should have known I was gay from watching <laughs> Kirk, especially in that first movie. I'm like, oh, that would have made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Also, I still want to be Kirk. Yeah, I mean, he's well, so everyone cool. does. He's so cool. Yeah, he's so cool. Uh, what is it? College Humor made a great sketch a couple years ago. Uh, it was like two guys and a girl talking, and the guy's like, oh, man, the, the comedies of the 70s and 80s were so funny. Like, they're all in college, and they're all pulling these pranks. And the girl's like, oh, you mean sexual harassment? Yeah. And like, no, what are you talking about? It's like, you know, the guys, they go, and they steal all the girls' panties, and they put a camera in their, in their dorm. Like, oh, you mean, like, sexual harassment? Yeah. It's like, no, no, that's not what they're doing. They're having fun. You know, like, they're drilling holes in the girl's shower and, like, sticking their dick through it, yeah. you know? It's like, it's a prank. It's funny. It's like, no, you mean... Sexual harassment. Sexual harassment. The 80s was just rampant with it. It's like, yes. no, but it, it, it was funny. It was funny back then. It's like, y- yeah, on your side. Yeah. <laughs> you were all sexual predators. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really true. Mm-hmm. It's really, really true. I know. And I mean, like, you had the, I mean, it's the, the, the American Pie films. It was the American Pie, Revenge of the Nerds, and Animal House. Yeah. Were kind of the big perpetrators of it. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, just, ugh, I grew up watching all of those. We all did. Yeah, and it's, it, it's, it leaves you now with a really weird relationship with those movies. Mm-hmm. Because you just go back and, like, this isn't, like, one, they're just not as funny, but also because, like, we have, like, better awareness now. We're like, this is all that's really bad. Mm-hmm. It's like in Animal House, they make jokes about sexually assaulting women. And you're just like, mm. just don't think, just think about the zip mm. joke. Cause that, that's still, that's, that's still funny. That's, you know, I, okay. I'm a I, zip. I'm, I'm digging this, this tangent hole even deeper. Uh, Let's do it. What I, what actually is good about that joke is it's a clean joke. I mean, it's, it's physically dirty cause like yeah. there's food everywhere. Right. But like, it's actually a pretty clean joke. And I remember way, way, way back in the day, one of the very first Nerdist podcasts, Chris Hardwick is interviewing, um, Drew Carey. 
Okay. And Drew Carey was saying how every week he signs himself a goal of writing 10 clean jokes. He can write a dirty one, but it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. And I realized it's actually really, really, and that's not that it's really hard to write a clean joke, but it's really easy to fall into the pitfalls of just making something inappropriate or shocking or sweary heavy mm -hmm. to try and make it land. And I feel like that's maybe part of the reason where, why a lot of modern movies just don't seem as clever I think a lot of the writing is geared towards some sort of like surprise or shock value. It's very um, like family guy esque. Yeah. Where it's not necessarily clever. It's not a joke that actually stays, excuse me, stays funny like in time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of those movies in the seventies just don't. Well, there, there's a YouTube channel that I found. I don't remember the name exactly, but it, it's, it's a, a comedy channel that will only pull clean jokes from people stand up. Oh, okay. That's so, cool. Yeah. It's really cool. So I, you know, I'll just, stumbled down the rabbit hole of like these very clever jokes where they don't have to like, you know, there's no swearing. It's not sexual oriented. Yeah. It's just like good, clean humor. Which is nice. Yeah. I think it's actually one of the reasons why I have such a soft spot for the movie top secret. Have we, have we ever watched that? I've not watched that. So it's another, uh, Zucker Abrams Zucker. So they did naked gun. They okay. did airplane, right? Which mm -hmm. is like, I consider many people consider it to be like the funniest movie ever made, like the highest, like last per minute. Yeah. A lot of the jokes in that are actually pretty clean. Um, they're just really weird and goofy and top secret is even goofier. Okay. And it's jokes. We'll have to watch it sometime. Like it's, you'll watch and you realize why I love it so much because it's basically just, it's like dad jokes, the movie. So it's like almost Monty Python esque. kind of like, okay. Good example is they're uh, escaping from like the villains in uh, an opera house. And so they open up like, oh, well, we'll escape through here. And they open the door and the door says prop room mm -hmm. and they open it and it's filled with a bunch of like airplane props. Oh, great. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff like that. Like I said, it just, it's just, it's so dad joke, but it's so good. Amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm willing to check it out. Yeah. It's, it's a funny movie. We'll have to watch it sometime. Uh, but no, I mean, I, again, we'll, we'll see with the suicide squad. I'm hoping ever hopeful, mm -hmm. often disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I think the only other news I really want to talk about or was kind of noteworthy the last couple of weeks really was that Haley Atwell has agreed to join Mission Impossible's 7 and 8. I'm, I mean, I love her. I do too. Any more Haley Atwell, I'm excited. It's, it's a merging of two things that I really do just have Did great appreciation. Did I tell you I saw her at D23? <gasps> no. Yeah, she was Aww. doing a signing and for some reason they let you kind of walk right next to the booth she was signing at. Yeah. Uh, and I just walked right by and I look up and she's like five feet away from me. Aww. Like, Oh, I love she, her. I, I never met her. Don't know much about her. She seems like she's just a really genuinely sweet person. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think part of it is that her, the fandom around her is very, very specific. Yeah. It almost kind of fits her a little bit, right? Like not everyone would necessarily recognize her, or recognize her name, but those that do have a really great appreciation for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, Peggy Carter is just such an amazing character. Yeah. And I, I guess I actually haven't seen her in that much else. I mean, I did see her in Christopher Robin, which she's, she's good. Right. She's, yeah. She's the wife. Um, but I'm really glad she's joined those movies. Like it's, it's, you know, it's weird. Cause I think there's a valid criticism to be made about how unoriginal the studios have gotten. They basically just turned out sequel after sequel. But I think at the same time, the quality of the movies they're putting out are pretty high. Mm -hmm. And I think the Mission franchise in particular has really stuck to that. I mean, I'd say that five and six are two of the best in the franchise. And like, and four, five, and six is a really good streak of films. And mm -hmm. the, the last two are obviously Christopher McQuarrie, and he's back on to do a couple more. 
And I, I've mentioned it before, but... Uh, I mean, even even at Mission Impossible, there's only one people see as kind of bad. Two. Like, oh, I thought I haven't seen three, so I thought people was three. No, two is just... Two's the John Woo one. It's just kind of weird and out there. It's doing a lot of like, this weird kind of like Matrix riffy stuff. Okay. Three, three's fine. It's mm-hmm. the J.J. Abrams one. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was his uh, feature film directorial debut. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty good. I'm not going to say it's a standout, but it, it sort of set the the template, which then they've really carried through. Um, actually, one of my favorite things about that franchise is it's relatively young. I mean, the first one came out in 95, I want to say. But you watch that first one now, and like at one point, Ethan Hunt scours the entirety of internet chat rooms trying to track down like, I know, I like, love like it. chat groups around a specific Bible verse. And then you compare that to where like they are now with it being super, super high tech. And it's like they, those movies existed at the, like the, the exponential acceleration point for technological mm-hmm. development. I mean, it's the same with fast and furious. Yeah, that's kind of true. Actually. I think yeah. 2001 was when the first one came out. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's weird. Like they just happen to exist in this really accelerated time. Um, but I, I really like the last two movies and I think Christopher McCory is a fantastic filmmaker. I've talked about it before, but there's, uh, some great interviews with him on the empire film podcast. Mm-hmm. If you really want to understand like how films are made and how even a film at that huge, huge level is more or less improvised as they go along. So fascinating. Um, I mean, he's one of those filmmakers that I just have a lot of faith in. So I'm super excited for those movies. Yeah, me too. I, and I think I think they're going to be maybe like a back-to-back release thing. They might be doing a... Like a part one, part two? I don't know if it's quite exactly a part one, part two, or if they're just doing... They're filming them kind of more or less sequentially and they're releasing them in quick succession. But mm-hmm. very exciting. Yeah. And that's the end of it, isn't it? Didn't they say that's it? I don't know. I haven't heard anything definitive. I mean, they've they've said that before though i mean it was heavily speculated when they brought in jeremy renner for ghost protocol that he would kind of take over the franchise no they also tried to do with born yeah yeah <laughs> poor, poor jeremy renner is is saddled with having a bunch of failed like spin-offs but on it's okay shoulders. because he started a music career and then he, he had an app which what, also recently what shut was down. the app i don't know people kept talking about it and then it shut down randomly and yeah. people talked about it more it's it's kind of funny because and look, I, I like Jeremy Renner a lot and the stuff I've seen him in, and I think he's a pretty good actor, but it almost kind of feels like that he is Hawkeye in real life. He's just trying to like he's find just, his place. He's just trying so hard and it's just not quite landing, but like, God damn it, is he earnest? Yeah. And he's just doing his best. But I, I he, did, he, did, he wants to be Jack Black. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, did I, we talk about that on the podcast? I don't know if we did. What did Jack, they... Jack Black is, is what kids imagine being famous is like oh okay he has a music career a movie career uh he uh, a comedy special yeah that's true he's kind of uh, he's, he's now like a youtube personality yeah he's the multi-hyphenate he's done a little bit of everything mm-hmm. he's like famous in every way you can be famous he's, he's a millennial goat yeah he is he absolutely mm-hmm. is also not, i mean not good egot he's a millennial version of the egot right and he was born to play a teenage girl as we discovered yeah very good at it. <laughs> the first it. Jumanji. He was so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, exactly. Jeremy Renner, aspiring. <laughs> aspiring Jack Black. Jack Black. <laughs> Did you, do you know about his, his new music? Not uh, Jack Black, his new music duo? No. It's a band called Jack Gray, and it's Jack Black and Jack White singing together. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to go listen to this. I love them both. I don't, I don't know if the song is out yet, but uh, Jack Black put out a video of him going to Jack White's home. It's like, we have to do this. 
I didn't know I wanted this, and now that I know it exists, it's yeah. my new favorite thing. It's so funny. <laughs> like again, he's living the life every like elementary school kid imagines what fame is. Yeah, I I do love Jack Black. Mm-hmm. He's he's also he's actually really good too. Yeah, like, School of Rock. That's a great film. Yeah. Um, and he, he's just very Nacho Libre. Endearing. I've never seen Nacho Libre. You've actually. never seen Nacho Libre? No. It's uh, mediocre and great at the same time. That's kind of the impression I got off of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard he's really good in Bernie, too, which I haven't seen. Oh, I haven't seen that. one with him right? and um, Matthew McConaughey and I want to say Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, he, he's, he's not, he's like a, a well known figure in this town where a bunch yeah. of weird stuff starts happening. Exactly. Yeah, I've heard that's really good. I think that, that might also be Richard Linklater. I can't remember. Um, I like him. You do. You know who that is? I do know Linklater. I worked on one of his movies. Which one? Um, oh, uh, everybody wants some. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually haven't seen that one. It's fine. I've heard that. I've heard it's kind of okay. It, mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever talked about this. Have you ever seen his before trilogy? No. Yeah. So you and Shane continue to talk before about sunrise, it. before sunset, before midnight. It's like my new version. It's. I think it's the before trilogy, the Empire Film Podcast, and Californication. That that yeah. are the three things that I will force into a conversation. That's the Chris Lord starter pack right there. Any opportunity I can. Uh, but no, it's they're really excellent movies. We got to watch them at some point. Mm-hmm. It, it it shows how to just make a whole movie out of just like a long conversation and have it be excellent. Well, I feel like he's just so good at capturing like a time period and like a time yeah. moment. Did you see boyhood? Yes. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Yeah. I mean, again, like he just, and it's funny cause he also does, he does stuff like that. He, he did school of rock days and confused. Yeah. He'll go and do like a days and confused. He'll do like a bad news bears remake. Like he, he, I think he even just had a movie come out recently. Wait, he did the, uh, who who is uh not Billy, Billy Bob, yeah the Billy Bob, Bob Thornton, Thornton. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did that one oh wow it's like you like this is the same guy mm-hmm. he's, he's amazing he's got he's done it all can we give this up and just make it the Richard Linklater podcast yeah uh listening to Linklater there we go all right well shall we uh should we go ahead and jump in on some some Zeta here yeah let's do it so I these episodes continue to be fine yeah totally fine like. Uh, yeah, the first one is Rose Gif. Mm-hmm. G- gift, excuse yes, me. Gift. gift it's yeah. not an Rose Gif. It's, <laughs> it's an episode comp- <laughs> composed of a bunch of four-second animations. Yes. Looping animations. Uh, lots of debates about it, whether it's Rose Gif or Rose Jif. Yeah. Um, the community is up in arms. Yeah, it's Gif. Rose Jif. It, it's Gif, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what the guy... I don't care that the guy who created... GIFs calls it GIFs. He's wrong. Right. It's graphic is in the fucking word. I'm not going to get into it. I basically already did, but I'm yeah, not you, we, we went into it. <laughs> That's all there is. Yeah. That's the like long story short. No, you already told a long story. Exactly. <laughs> Too late. That's the it. people that, that I, I had an Uber driver that said that like four times while telling a story. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not a short story anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's we, we're still talking. Yeah. We've you're been talking still for on 20 the same minutes. story. The same story. Long story short is not a way to just like go from, one section of the story to another. All right. Well, Cameron, along those lines, what's the long story short version of this episode? What happens in it? Uh, Roe is mistaken for a mutant, kidnapped, Zeta saves her. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So well, what's interesting about this episode... Do we see this guy again? No. So I feel like I've seen him before. Well, because these are characters from Batman Beyond. That's why. So this this what I thought was interesting is this episode did what we've been asking for. We, we you know we we kind of did a little segment based off a, a comment from Maddie recently about this very thing. It's like, 
why don't we see more elements of Batman Beyond seep into Zeta? You know, like the other week we got a Shway, which was, you know. No Shway. No Shway, which was fantastic. But this time around, these are villains pulled from Batman Beyond. Uh, so I believe the episode was called Mind Games, but it's the one with the little girl who has like the psychic abilities and she reaches out to Terry is like, come save me. And she's being held prisoner by the brain trust. Okay. I remember the so, brain trust. Yeah. So it's two, these two of these same characters appear again, but this, their look has been altered quite a bit. Gotcha. So one of them is Edgar Mandragora. Who's got the telekinetic abilities. Like the albino guy with the long flowing hair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember him doing like the cross legged floating. Yeah. Mind. Okay. That's yeah. what I'm remembering. And then the, the woman is bombshell. Mm-hmm. But just her, but like his look has been changed a little bit. Her look's been changed a lot. Okay. So when she that's was, why he okay he yeah. looked super familiar. I wasn't even that. sure like is that the same character or not for for bombshell? But it is. So in Batman Beyond, she's wearing all black, and the only thing that really was consistent, she's got that lo- like large circular um, like zip on the front of her jacket. Mm-hmm. But in Batman Beyond, she's wearing all black. Her hair is like done up very tight. It's um, she's got this like very kind of dark, severe, gothic look to her. Whereas this time around, she's kind of got more of like the Rachel happening. Uh, and then in this weird, oh, like the pr- Rachel, the Rachel. Phase. I know. Right. And like this purple jumpsuit instead. And then the, the other, Oh wait, hold on. Speaking of news, one last little thing. Did you see, uh, what's his face from stranger things? Uh, like someone messed up his hair severely. What? The, the super attractive guy in stranger things, Steve. Yeah. Uh, someone cut his hair oh, really? and gave him bangs, and he looks like like an awkward freshman in high school. It's so funny and try. It someone committed murder. Oh my god, he does have great hair. He he did. Uh, haircut. Wait. Oh god, no! Oh, oh yeah, someone committed a murder and they deserve to go to jail. I love this headline from Esquire. Uh, Joe Keery didn't get a bowl cut. He got a Rob Thomas, and it is spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did get a Rob. Oh, no, Joe, what right, did you do? Right? He doesn't look like the same person. No. It looks so bad. He, he, oh, my God. He kind of looks like Josh Hutcherson's. Yes. Like, unattractive cousin. Yeah. Mm, why would you do that? I don't. Someone committed murder. That stylist, if they haven't been fired... I hope it's not his mom is his stylist. His mom cuts his hair. Uh, this time around, I think she did. Yeah. It looks terrible. Um, but okay, wait. The brain Sorry, trust. No, it's all good. That's all good. It's it all was important did. information. It was important. Everyone this needs to Google news. it if they haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, go get your heart broken by looking up Joe Keery haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, it's interesting because they brought in Batman villains, which is something we've been hoping they would do. But to your point, you, weren't even, you didn't even recognize that's what they were. Right. They just felt familiar. And I think... Maybe this is why we didn't get a lot of this crossover is that the tones of these shows and the visual color palette is so different Mm -hmm. that I don't know if there's a lot of villains that really translate well. I think, well, so we also had that talk that Batman Beyond Rogue's Gallery is not nearly as strong as uh, like the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. You have kind of the three standouts. You have Ink, uh, Shockwave. Uh, No. um, Echo, no. Shriek. Shriek. I would have gotten there. So close. Uh, Spellbinder. Spellbinder. Blight. Yeah, Blight. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, and I think they stand out because they have a really good visual look. Yeah. Oh, like, and, then, and then the the Jokers from the movie have, the, I right. think, the most iconic look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because 
you look at the the Batman Beyond Rogues Gallery, and I do agree with you that it's not as strong as the animated series, which, I mean, that show works because of how good the Rogues Gallery is and how well they're written and how great the performances are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, considering that Batman Beyond, those are all original villains, there's still some, like, you know, standouts, yeah. I would say. I'd say even in comparison to, say, Superman, which even though those are also established villains, you know, how many really jump out as you as being memorable? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lex. Like, I mean, Lex has done mm-hmm. really well. I think Lobo has done really well oh, yeah. in that show. I think, um, what's her face? Livewire? Uh, yeah, Livewire. Livewire is good. I mean, yeah, she's good. Um, you know, Parasite's okay. Mm-hmm. Metallos. Roxy Rocket. Uh, she's name? more Batman, though. Is, that, is, it, is it Roxy Rocket? It's Roxy Rocket, okay. yeah. She's Batman, but she, she pops up she's in the awesome, one though. Superman episode. She's pretty mm-hmm. good. I mean, Brainiac's good. Yeah, but yeah. But even then, like, I, I mean, that's a pretty definitive version of Brainiac because it's the, one of the most frequent appearances. And I, I think. think we're also. Dark Side. I, I was just going to bring up, I was going to say. Their Dark Side's really good. We're also blending our memory of Brainiac and Dark Side into Justice League. There's a little bit of that, yeah. Whereas the Batman vil- the Batman Beyond villains really pretty much exist exclusively in Batman Beyond, this being, uh, you know, a counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the brain trust isn't. I think Shriek could could work well in this. Like, he finds the frequency that, like, uh, stops Zeta, or, like, it stops his, his healing or yeah. whatever. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think that character could carry over. The question becomes, like, would you actually want to see that? I mean, I really enjoy Shriek. I, I would like to see him but, there. So re- recognizing how drastically different these shows are and, and going off the, the brain trust as an example of how much they had to change those characters to accommodate the show, would you really want to see Shriek essentially lessened or softened? The, the reason, to make the reason an I think here? of the villain, Shriek is the, the one that could translate over is he's the one that doesn't have any special ability. So it's tech versus tech still. I mean, that's the same with Spellbinder, though. Yeah, but his is, like, he can't manipulate Zeta's mind because there's no mind. True. Like, he, he can mess with Ro. Yeah. And that could be interesting. But Shriek is, because, like, Ink, I mean, she can, like, get inside his circuits, I guess. That yeah. could be interesting. But but with with Shriek, it's, it's technology versus technology. Yeah. And I think that's something... For some reason, that's kind of the only thing we don't see outside of the the other robot. Um, oh, IU-7. Yeah. Because having the mutants come in, that feels so far out of left field. Well, and that's... Sorry, the brain trust. The sorry, brain trust. Sorry, but I mean, Sony. That's what, that's what they are. Like, they are... Yeah, I mean, they're they're born with gifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... Well, no, because they explain it that they're not. It's from... It's the radiation from the tower. Oh, but I, but, but I think there's like a latent genetic thing that's yeah. triggered. So, I mean, the plot of this episode is essentially the plot from the first X-Men movie. Exactly. Like, they're going to detonate this bomb on top of this tower. The tower is going to then spill radiation across the town, and either it's going to turn you into a mutant or it's going to kill you. Right. It is exactly the plot <laughs> of the first X-Men movie. Except with so many less interesting characters. Very much so. And I, I don't know. I, I liked they brought over something from Batman Beyond, but I think it just didn't quite land. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of it is they really soften them. Like the um, Edgar Mandragora, who again was only in one episode, but he's got a, he's got a distinctive look, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he's albino, he's got the hair flowing, he's hovering in air, he's got all these crazy powers. He's got the weird smile. He's got the weird smile. He's like these weird kind of dead eyes. He doesn't talk much in this episode. At one point, he literally says seatbelts, everyone. Yeah, I hated that. And it because I I wasn't watching at that moment, and I thought it was the other guy. 
And like, oh no, it's the and really, I'm like, no, that's not it's his the really voice. scary looking guy that does it. Yeah. And yeah, it just this is so much more of a kids show mm-hmm. that now having seen their attempt at bringing in Batman Beyond stuff, I think they're actually better served leaning into the fact that it's a kids show rather than trying to pull from a much darker show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you listened to the, um, the weekly planet caravan of garbage where they covered um, return of the Joker. I have not. Okay. One of the things they're talking about is how the, when that, show was conceived the idea was that it was meant to be more aimed towards kids like it's right. a teenage version of batman he's in high school it's like their version of spider-man basically and that despite that intention that show is actually a lot darker than even Betos was in a lot of ways and i think that worked in its favor because it is this pseudo dystopian future it is dark it is gritty it's a little bit scarier at times too like that the color palette the visual texture fits that mm-hmm. And I think that's been one of the hardest things about Zeta is it's supposed to be set in the same universe, but it's so drastically different. Yeah. And it's so much brighter and bubblier. And I think that it's, it's just the West coast. West coast is always brighter. That's true. West coast, best coast. Yeah. But I, I think the show is kind of better when it's just being a really good version of a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like there wasn't one of the episodes we did recently. We both quite enjoyed actually. I can't remember which one it was. Mm, that's, that's being generous. I, I, I remember enjoying it. <laughs> I don't remember which, I don't remember which one it was. But I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it was fine. Here, here's my other question. Um, so we see this kind of character pop up in, in kind of anything that has magic or special powers. And it's the Enhancer. And, oh, and they, yeah. they mentioned like... Amp is the character. Yeah, they mentioned that they went to his parents' house uh, and took him from his parents' But how do people know, one, how does he know he has powers? Can he also amplify, like, like a normal person? Like, if I'm running, can he amplify me to run faster? Or is it only powers he can amplify? Because, like, how do you know what, how do you know that's your power without uh, okay. also oh, knowing I, other mutants? I see. He would only would have figured out if he was with someone else who had abilities. Yeah. I mean, Because my first thought was, like, oh, they're siblings, and he, like, she had a power, and he, it was always stronger when he was next to her. Yeah. But then they're like, no, they're two separate families. So it makes no sense how they would know he exists. Well, especially considering that their recruitment policy seems to be to just happen across someone doing something special. Yeah, special. kidnapping them, basically. Yeah, because what happens is, uh, at one point, Zeta impersonates Ro, and then he, like, jumps onto a runaway garbage no, no, robot it's a, with it's a laser a harvesting robot okay that has a lightsaber on it basically that's like well, yeah, it's, it's, i assume it's harvesting wheat yeah that makes sense so he like jumps on the top of it and then like fixes it mm-hmm. through technology but they don't see that it's a robot they assume ray can ray roe yeah can communicate with machines she's a technopath exactly mm-hmm. so like they they kidnap her like that's their whole recruiting thing it's like oh that person seems to have abilities let's just kidnap them right which is very different from the other two where they ask their family first <laughs> Yeah, they kind of like coerce. Which I think that more or less happened to the the little girl in um, Mind Games too in the Batman Beyond episode. I feel like she, her family was kind of coerced into like yeah, yeah. Her I mean, along. it was Xavier. They Xavier them. That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well established. Xavier is the true villain of the yes the X Men. Yeah, I mean, it like this one was entertaining. I found the inclusion of the villains distracting rather than adding anything to it. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll give them credit for 
kind of how the villains are defeated, though. At least they're being smart. So basically, they have this the third guy. I don't remember his name, but he is uh, a telepath of sorts, and so he's tell communicating telepathically with the other two, with the rest of the brain trust, and then Amp like attacks him at that moment, like oversurges his powers and knocks them all out. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually pretty clever in terms of. Uh, taking out a villain, which a yeah. lot of it's a lot of times in the show, it's just like they just hit someone in the head. Well, because I was about to say it's it's a non physical way to defeat a villain. Yeah, because the show is all about non confrontation. That's true. Well, and at least it's interesting because it's using a villain's powers against them, which a lot of times the show doesn't even do. It's just like, bonk, they're out. Yeah, or it's I mean the way they usually do it is the villain will like swing a bat and miss and fall. Yeah. And now they're in a vat of acid. <laughs> and they're dead. Yeah. No, I, not dead. Oh, that's true, because no one can die in this mm-hmm. in this show. Even when Zeta's infiltrating, he never actually kills anybody. Right. It's not even implied that he kills anybody. Uh, but what are the, the little moments... He I, takes them out, is how they work. That's true. They just, we took him out. You, mm-hmm. you, you killed him? No! I would we never. We took him out. He's just... Is not on this plane of existence anymore. Yeah, we took him out for a nice dinner... And then Diner ditched him, and now he's still washing dishes to pay for the meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we took him out. I, I do love uh, the small-town cops that they come across, though, because when Zeta's trying to get Ro back, he goes into like his little kid mode and tries to talk to the cops, but he realizes that the, the really obvious wanted posters for... Again, these are wanted fugitives around the world, basically. Yeah. And like they and know, like no they one know, immediately recognizes. They know it's an infiltration robot, and, and also that yeah, and she's not disguised at all, and they still don't catch them. But they I, did, however, have different clothes this episode. That's true. They do, they do that now. They mix up their wardrobe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, this why can I get her name right? Ro, yeah, has mm-hmm. that badass jacket she's toting around. Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things I did love though is the small town cops. They go out to the the site where this radiation thing is going to happen. And the cop is looking through binoculars and he's like, Oh, let's, let's see what's going on here. And as he says that he's actively looking at a fucking bomb yeah. <laughs> on the tower and he doesn't do anything about it. It's like, let's see what's going to have, how this plays out here. As there's a ticking bomb. I did. On the I tower. did kind of appreciate when he takes the bomb, when Zeta finally gets to the bomb, there's no like, speedy pressure there's no, still two minutes there's left. still two minutes left yeah. right yeah it's like oh you guys had plenty of time yeah you guys could have could have relaxed a little yeah. bit had a nice conversation with the cops you all had a chance to talk it out first and then just casually disarm the thing mm-hmm. there was the, a very small detail in this episode which i want to know so much more about what and it's when they're in the bar in the town they have 4d billiards oh i didn't even notice that yes I want to know so much more about this game. Uh, you can smell them. And that's boring. Because <laughs> it's in a bar. It's just, it's just dried alcohol. It's just going to smell like chlorine, dried beer, mm-hmm. and shame. Well, it was they had a, a kind of a hover dome around the table, and you'd shoot the balls kind of up and around the dome. Okay. And I want to know so much more. What? Actually, hang on. What? I guess that'd be 3D billiards, but whatever. What if 4D billiards meant that the balls would just spontaneously travel through time? Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. But where would they hit? Well, that's the whole thing. It's like you could like go to hit a ball and say that there was another ball in its way. You could like send it into the past when that ball wasn't there, and it would just go straight through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're onto something. Now I'm into this. 
I'd watch that game. There was a, a, a dumb writing prompt that I saw online the other day. It was like, time travel exists, and it's kind of like a luxury vacation option. Uh, and there's one destination in particular that everyone loves to travel to, and it's, what is it, negative 32 B.C., uh, Bethlehem and you go one day and realize all the rooms are full and it's you know it's kind of like the reason all the places were full in Jesus's story is because it's all time travelers oh okay like there was no place to stay because everyone had come to visit yeah it's kind of clever actually mm-hmm. and I'm like that's that's interesting yeah technology and religion can coexist See, I, I would actually go to the time when, uh, like, Jesus is out there doing his sermons and just go, oh, he's just a dude. He's the dude? He's just, he's just, he's you, the, you, he's you, the you dude. You coin dude with yeah. Jesus? <laughs> I just go instead, there. Yeah, instead of savior, everyone just refers to him as the dude. As the dude. I just go back and like, hey, I'm just going to leave these, uh, these sunglasses and this robe, mm-hmm. uh, this white Russian and this rug. Yes. It'll tie the room together, man. Jesus Lebowski. Go do your thing. Uh, yeah, you know, you what you have to do is go to Nazareth before it's named and name it Lebowski. Yeah. So it's Jesus of Lebowski. Jesus of Lebowski. I'm down for it. See, this is the real reason why time travel should never exist, is I would go and fuck with so many We'd things. We'd ruin everything. Just ruin everything. 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 Uh, there's actually a pretty good book kind of about the idea of time travel as a luxury vacation. It's called The Map of Time. Okay. Um, by... Felix La Palma, I want to say. It's pretty good. It actually has H.G. Uh, Wells as a character in the book, and it's basically he's brought in to kind of see if he can test the validity of this company that claims that they can take you to a very specific moment in the future mm-hmm. to watch this battle happen. It's pretty good. I think I think I brought this up before. There's a great subreddit I started to follow called r slash writing prompts. Okay. And it's, it's exactly this. It's people put in just random log lines for books they want to read. Okay. So the one that I read this morning, which I loved, it's Lovecraft, Kafka, Tolkien, Poe, uh, Blackwood, Robert E. Howard, and uh, Arthur Mahan. Mackin? Who's that? I don't know. Some, some other writer. Are playing D&D with Shakespeare's DM. Go. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I want to see how I, I would watch that show. Oh my god, so fast! That'd be a great like Clone High parody. <gasps> All right, you have hit, that. That's a that's that's a series right there. You have historical figures playing D and D together. Someone send this to Lorda Miller. Yeah, no relation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris and Chris and Lord. Yeah, I do keep people asking that sometimes. Like, oh, are you related to like Phil Lord? Like, nope, mm-hmm. not at all. Wish I was. Yeah, They'd make things much easier. Uh, uh, should we go along to uh, our next episode here? Yeah. All right. So our next one is Lost and Found. Okay, good. I had to make sure this was the right episode. Yeah. This one. This one's kind of an interesting one because it's very this flashback heavy. This is yes. I think this should have been a two part episode. Cameron, you think everything should be a two part episode because the setting is in. I'm gonna hit the pillow, and you're gonna have to deal with it. Ugh. The setting is in a theme park, and they don't play on any theme park tropes. There isn't one hall of mirrors in this episode, and that is a disgrace. But they do have a fight on a roller coaster, which happens all the time. But there is no hall of mirrors, Chris. That is the trope. Okay, wait a minute. So you, being the man who is begrudgingly watching these episodes, <laughs> wants to add an additional one 
simply for the sake of having what will inevitably be a underwhelming Hall of Mirrors fight. Well, so here's the thing. He shoots lasers. He shoots a laser at the mirror and it bounces around. And now they have to play dodge, dodge laser. Dodge while, laser? Yes. While also being in a Hall of Mirrors. Now, okay. What, what aspect of Zeta would play well at the Hall of Mirrors? All of it. Like, because he can be anybody. So what's like... What is the extra advantage of having him being a Hall of Mirrors? Because now there's many of him. There's so, there's many of him, and he's constantly changing. Yes. Each mirror has a different version of him. So here's what he, here's what he does. the The bounty hunter goes into the Hall of Mirrors. Zeta turns into the bounty hunter, and now it's just like which like it, he thinks it's just another mirror. Damn it. Okay, fine. That's <laughs> that's pretty good, right? Actually, it is pretty good, but I I don't think it would actually end up working out that well. Here, here's the other thing with this is you have an amusement park. So, so the premise of this is Zeta kind of shuts down for some reason. And we get to see flashbacks of when he kind of gains a conscience. Yeah. Which I don't think actually lines up with his episode in Batman beyond. Not at all. I feel like he was dealing with like an international terrorist cell somewhere, Mm -hmm. not just an accountant. Um, so I so he's out of commission for this episode. It's Roe and Genius Boy Bucky. Right, I'm taking this pillow Fine. away from you because you just keep. I'm the one that's the edit this. I know it's a pillow. It's not loud. I can hear it. Uh, it's Roe and Genius Boy Bucky, uh, trying to fix him while the bounty hunter is after them. Yeah. In this grand amusement park with so many things you can do. So here's one of the things they should do in this two part episode. They should reconstruct one of the animatronics to look like Zeta and have it kind of detour around the park as a distraction for the bounty hunter. Okay. So there's one thing they can do. Thing two, Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> because like you can have a full episode on Zeta's flashback and then we can have a full episode on Rose flashback. Yeah. Because I think that is interesting. It, and that's the thing. is I kind of like this episode because it was interesting. I hate to say it. These characters are kind of more interesting before this show started. Yeah. Like, oh, and also, sorry, going back to the last episode. Did you remember that a plot point is Ro trying to find her family? Because I, for- I forgot about that. Oh, I remember. Because I'm still waiting <laughs> for them to pay that off. And I don't think they ever do. But, yeah, it's like I, Zeta is more interesting when he's actually being an infiltration robot. And mm-hmm. even, look, even when it's like the super, like, m- softened version that we see in this. Like, he's just waiting for an accountant to go on... A, trip and then he just like swoops in and like takes his spot in the as a you know part of the family mm-hmm. he's trying to track down basically like the, some weapons dealer somewhere the one little moment i liked a lot is when he's disguised as the accountant and he's in the office and on the other side of his desk are the the two really obvious mafia types who are there like making a donation to like um launder their money yeah um, as soon as Zeta starts like press for answers in a not particularly great way, and the guys get suspicious, his arm like he deploys a gun from his arm like behind the desk. I'm like, oh, like even like in that moment, he felt like the robot that we've been told he was mm-hmm. of actually being like smart and deadly. Yeah, and s- the the no second chances cop. Exactly. Yeah, I liked a little moment not like even that. First chance. Like, I I liked getting a little bit of his backstory. Hmm. The whole infiltrating the family thing felt a little bit weird, especially when the, the NSA agent tells him, it's like, don't let anyone know you've infiltrated the family because we don't want people to know that we have infiltration units stashed away in, our, in people's families. I'm like, 
you have the public it's public knowledge that infiltration robots exist because this guy's face is plastered in every single police station every small town across the entire well, fucking now country. It is, but it wasn't back then yeah, I guess the cat wasn't out of the bag yet. Mm. No, and even the posters, they don't say he's infiltration. I, don't they say that? Uh, no, they... You know, because we saw one poster, and it's... Um, they think he can only turn in from robot to that guy, into oh, Zeta's okay. form. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Be pedantic about it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, the flashback is kind of interesting. Rose... There wasn't much to it. I don't think it really added much to her story. We, we are, could have a whole Orange the New Black series off oh of my Roe God. and Juvie. I love, I love how she escapes. So easy. She just takes a bucket and smashes it against a the control panel of a barred window, which isn't a solid bars, but actually the bars retract. Mm-hmm. And she's able to escape, and then she runs into that like douchey guy from the pilot. Yeah. Just... Um, I, I love that it was immediate. Within a minute, she joined a gang. Yeah. I mean, it's like solo, right? Everything has to happen in a very short period of time. Yeah. Everything we know about this character happened in the span of a matter of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess maybe I wanted more. I was hoping maybe we would get, like, some bits of her family. Right. Yeah. So I think if they extended the... If, if they broke it up into two parts. Part one is all about Zeta's flashback. Uh, part two, Roe finds something from her family. Yeah. In in the in the theme park, something they won for her. Something you know, maybe her dad used to work there. Some evidence that she had been there before in her past life. Yeah. And that triggers the memory we get to see of like the last the last memory she has with her family. Yeah. Before they drop her off, and there's some clue in that memory of like, because in, in in the last episode last episode she's like well maybe they didn't just give me up maybe something happened and they had to give me up right uh so in this episode it triggers that memory of like she sees someone else in this flashback she didn't remember before and they're talking to her parents her parents are nervous around this person and then the next thing she knows is they abandon her yeah and now we have more Things now we're more interested in that relationship. We're more invested in it, yeah. Yeah. Because all this did was basically just show us a thing we'd already been told. And then it's in a hall of mirrors. <laughs> of course. Always in a fucking hall of mirrors. <laughs> You're right. That would have made it more interesting is if we got something substantial out of it. Because this mm-hmm. was just kind of like, stop grabbing pillows. I need, I always have this pillow here. But you're just going to keep hitting it. I never hit this one. This That's is my not true. Pillow. That's kind of true. No. <laughs> All right, if you hit the pillow once... I need my lap pillow. If you hit the pillow once in this episode, I'm taking the pillows away from you forever. You can't. I, I in fact, can. (laughs) I can just get rid of all my pillows. It's called Freedom of Pillows Act, Chris. Have you even read the Constitution? Absolutely not. I have it on my shelf. That's good. I do actually have it on my shelf, but I'm I'm not going to read it. Um, No one actually follows it anymore anyways. Right. It's more like guidelines. Uh, What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, like, at this, again, they, they were teasing the possibility of something a little more substantial, and they just kind of skirted around it. Because mm-hmm. um, I, hate, I hate these episodes when, like, they get the main part resolved, and the villain shows up, and I check the time code, and it's like 2.15 left. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so nothing's going to happen with nothing's the villain. Nothing's going to happen, yeah. I no mean, lesson to be taught, no fight to be had. No, I mean, they don't do their they little... They just kind of trip and fall, and they're done. Yeah, they don't do lessons anymore. Yeah. 
we don't get our little history lessons at the end of the episode, our little, our little teases. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, in general, though, I think the, the show is getting a little bit better. I think we're just, you know, starting from kind of a negative place. Mm-hmm. So, I have eh. kind of a very negative place. Okay, frankly, a very negative place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one last thing, I did love they brought back our favorite trope from Batman Animated Series. Which one? Falling from a high place into water. Oh, yeah. The, the best trope. Yeah. I was kind of hoping maybe he'd fall into a tree, but water's or the original. Shrub. Yeah. Or there was, there was a random blimp flying by. Oh, that's true. There was. There, was there a were bl- so many blimps back blimp. in the day. That's true. Where did all the blimps go in this future? That's the question, isn't it? I know. We have like hover cars and we have swoops, but we don't have blimps. Here's, so we talked about this in the last episode. What is the future version of seatbelts? Or is it still the same? I feel like there has to be some improvement. If we have hover cars, there has to be a different way to do a seatbelt. So the version I'm thinking of is from... uh, the Lost in Space feature film from 1998. Okay. Uh, and in that, rather than having seatbelts on the seats, there's like, they like get sucked into them. They're like, I was, act, I was they like actually going to say, they have an active like suction system built into I was, it. That was honestly my idea. If we had some kind of suction cup. They're all going to be Dyson branded seats. Yes. In the future. Mm-hmm. Dyson's going to partner with Recaro to make suction racing seats. Amazing. Cannot wait. Uh, shall we mosey along here? Uh, let me check my notes. I don't think I have anything else to say. Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> you and your... Oh, my God. Was that your only note for the entire episode? <laughs> no, just, like <laughs> just hall, Where's the Hall of Mirrors? It's just Hall of Mirrors written three times. <laughs> you got. I mean, you got to get that third beat in. Yeah. Uh, oh, I loved uh, when the bounty hunter is interrogating the train operator. And the, the guy's like, no one could have ever jumped out of the train at this speed. And they're literally standing on, like... The, the tracks where Zeta was thrown oh yeah out of like the dragged train. out yeah, yeah. The, the the skid marks of what yeah. he was dragging like, tossing I don't know what these are but no one could have jumped out that's for sure I I wish we had got a chance to see that scene like I want to see the deleted scene of like Ro having to push Zeta to the edge of a train car and like just flop him out onto the ground yeah and then jump out after him and somehow survive do you think she rode him out of there like a toboggan oh, I was thinking surfboard okay yeah. Mm-hmm. She surfed it. I mean, it's the early 2000s. That's absolutely true. Of course, they were surfing. X Games were just coming into their own. <laughs> Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the game of the time. Yeah. Oh, man, that's such a good game. Great soundtracks. Oh, amazing soundtracks. Yeah. Right up there with Crazy Taxi. Mm-hmm. It's Crazy Taxi, the greatest video game soundtrack of all time. I mean, it's just the Offspring album, but it's really well paired. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Okay, I've never heard that one. There's only one song in that. Okay. Good, but it's the but only song a, people know. Okay. Oh, you know what? Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2. I don't know the soundtrack of that one. Um, I mean, I, for me, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, I think, is the peak soundtrack. I'll have to go and see what that entails. I just, I, I, I just played a lot of Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2, and uh, Fever for the Flavor was a great song on there. It's still, it's still always just casually drifting in the back of my brain somewhere near Californication or possibly Richard Linklater's films. (laughs) All right. Well, shall we do uh, some notes from friends here? Let's do it. All right. Uh, So, okay. You remember when we were trying to figure out when you you could remember what the, the meteor movies were, you're like, is it Armageddon? No. Is it Deep Impact? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Chris Ballard wrote to us on Facebook, and he, he said, Hey, Cameron and Chris, had to celebrate when you covered Last Resort for Batman Beyond, and on the latest Zeta episode, I had to laugh about the Armageddon Deep Impact slash other meteor movie bit. 
Here is the other meteor movie <laughs> with Sean Connery and Henry Fonda, no less. And I watched the trailer. It's this movie called Meteor from 1979. Amazing. Uh, I will put the link in the show notes. I highly recommend you to go watch it. I would actually seriously watch this movie if only for the amazing miniature work. Because, like, the late 70s was, like, this fantastic time for really good miniatures. Yeah, that's when D&D was coming to its own. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the first D&D first edition was, like, 77, I want to say. Oh, okay. So it's the boom of minis. Okay. I just, I, I love the old-fashioned effects. Like, the old Thunderbird show is a great example, too, where mm-hmm. all the water, like, because water doesn't actually scale. Right properly so you can always tell like the scales off in the water and i just i love a good miniature model effect and this movie seems like it's just full of it so we might have to sit down and watch this at some point okay uh so thank you chris for sending that over um and then uh we were uh looped in my maddie on a chain on twitter and i want to ask you cameron this question so uh benjamin dixon on twitter asked to broadly twitter not to us specifically but what was the best 90s superhero theme and the three options were uh, Freakazoid X-Men Spider-Man Freakazoid. and Batman You're right Freakazoid is the best one Yeah But, that, but that aside Immediately So between X-Men Spider-Man and Batman Oh man Best or most iconic it ju- He just said best Because because that's so subjective That's not fair Most iconic Or most memorable Probably I mean we're so biased though So I voted for Batman Because Maddie's like, all right, boys, chime in. Yeah, I mean, we most rec- of the ones I've listened to most recently, it would be X Men. I feel, I feel like the X Men one, because that's so of the time. Yeah, like it's the it's the metal guitar riff. Well, and I think Batman, it could have come from any point in time. Right. Well, I think part of it too is that um, I would say the most recognizable Batman theme is the Burton theme. Yes. I think that's the one we've seen uh, utilized in the most places, even though it's only in two movies, and it was kind of so, pseudo-rift to make the Batman animated series theme. But, like, that is the one that would, like, pop up all over the place. Yeah. In the same way that the most iconic Superman theme is going to be the John Williams one, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think with X-Men, for a lot of people, especially of our age, the 90s cartoon theme is more iconic than the movie's theme, because the movie's theme isn't, like... Like, what's the, the theme from the X-Men movies? I like, try and hum I, it. I'm trying. Yeah. I can't even But if it. you try, guess what's going to come out? X-Men. Like, that's where you go right away. I mean, I have... I'm in the weird boat where I know the evolution theme more than the 90s theme. I mean, we've talked about this before, that X-Men evolution is one of the greatest superhero cartoons ever Yeah, because it's the former writer from... One of the writers from BTOS. Is it Boyd Kirkland? Did he? Yeah. Yeah. No, we both love that show. Might have to do an. I mean, it's X-Men it's an extended. Podcast. It's an extension of the of the Tim Tim universe. Yeah, in its own way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it falls loosely under the. We've done like single artist soundtracks. We've gone way off the course <laughs> at this point. We could definitely do X Men Evolution at some point. Mm-hmm. Tie that in. Uh, but uh, so I voted for Batman, but X Men won. Okay, and that seems fair. It it does. It's yeah, because I think. Yeah, like you said, it of what it is, it's the most iconic. Yeah, I, I think it is. I I love that theme. Song. And Spider Man, yeah, I think every I don't other even version remember. of Spider Man is. I, yeah, I can't think of it. I think every other version of Spider Man is more. No, but what I don't know is I wonder. It, he doesn't specify. I mean, he says '90s, so I guess this wouldn't be the um, 
like the sixties one, the Spider Man. No, not Spider Man. I think that's the most iconic because that has actually reappeared in the Tobey Maguire movies. It was the it's incorporated into Giacchino's theme for Far From Home mm-hmm. and Homecoming. I love that one. <sighs> so good. Um, okay, one other one here. Oh, just want to uh, send a thank you out there to the Nerd Bunker on Twitter at Nerd underscore Bunker, uh, who included us on a Follow Friday a hashtag Follow Friday. Oh, thank you which so much. Very, very sweet of him. Yeah, so I want to say thank you for that. Really appreciate that. Yeah, and then uh, as I've been doing for the last few official episodes, uh, reading a review off of iTunes. Ooh. We are very quickly dwindling. Great. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, from three years ago. Yes. So I think we're... Okay, we are now on to a, a lovely five-star review here from Helplessly Nerdy from March of 2018. Oh. Uh, fun, nerdy listen. Honestly, this is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to as a to and from work. Uh, I work at a high-stress job, and it's nice to listen to nerdy banter to decompress. Uh, Chris and Cameron have great back and forth. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I think we do. No, they really do. <laughs> so many podcasts have two people who are trying way too hard to be cute or trite. We're not mm. trying at all. Mm. This, this, this is natural <laughs> cuteness that we have. And there is none of that pretension here. It's two <laughs> friends who have a widespread of nerdy interest between them just talking. Even if this podcast weren't about something I love, I'd keep listening just to hear their conversation, which is really, really sweet. Thank so you. thank you for that. And, uh, you know, the reason we're reading these out is not just to stroke our egos, although I do love to do that. But uh, just it's as a week pre- I've needed it. As a, yes, it's been long weeks, uh, but just as an appreciation. And of course, if you guys go and uh, leave us a review on iTunes, we'll read it on air. Yes. So thank you for that. And with that said, shall we go along into our favorite segment, Bat Plugs? Bat Plugs? Yeah. Uh, do we want to do normal plugs or just want to go straight into Young Justice? I have one short plug that's okay. not on Young Justice. Do you have anything as well? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll plug a weird movie that I watched the other day. We, we've mentioned it a few times on the podcast because it's a movie that's, that's been on both of our lists for a while. It's called Under the Silver Lake. Yes. With Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tobey Maguire, or not Tobey Maguire. Um, Tom Holland? No, 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 no. Um, Topher Grace oh, okay. is in it as well. Oh, nice. He just kind of popped out of nowhere and then just disappears. Uh, but yeah, he's in it. The movie is weird. Just weird through and through. If you're super into just like nonsense conspiracy theories, then this movie is is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say anything else about it. Just you don't want to give anything away. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a movie I think you would like more if you don't watch the trailer. Okay, just just kind of trust a word and jump into it. N- not to minimize it a little bit or trivialize it, but it is. Is it a movie best watched in an altered state? Yes. Okay. This is a movie you want to watch with a group uh and if you want to make a drinking game or a smoking game out of it that's probably even better i don't think people have smoking games you have not been in the right circles i guess not i I don't think there's anyone going like oh i'm gonna like take a toke hit hit Hit. (laughs) wow i don't smoke guys all right i don't i just drink and even though i don't do that very often anymore the hangovers are too bad this is what happens when you're 30 but I don't smoke at all, so I don't know. I, maybe maybe there are, like, smoke Toke. I can't believe You don't even know the word hit. <laughs> all right. If if you know of actual smoking games, please write to us and there's let us know. There's a whole card game about it. Is there? Yeah. it's a, There's a game called Flux, where every time you play a card, the rules change, uh, and you kind of have to wait for one card to show up to win. 
and one of the one of the versions that my friend has is is four twenty flux. Okay. Where every few cards you have, uh, you have to pass the the blunt to the next person, and they have to take a hit. <laughs> take a toke. Yeah, and they have to take they have to hit they have to take a toke. Is that even a thing? I don't know. I've never heard that word before. Is it a thing? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, flux variant. There's a Batman version that that we should uh, look at. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think I have it. Why uh, have we not played it? It's a it's a very interesting game. Uh, yeah, that that's my plug. What what is your, your toke? Plug? The drawing of a puff from a cigarette or pipe, typically one containing marijuana. Okay. Just want to put that out there. Thank you. Thank hey, you for informing you know me. What? Hang on. I, how gentlemen say hit. Let me. I want to defend myself for slightly. I pull a lot of really weird words out. Mm-hmm. I usually use them accurately. Yeah, that is true. I have very esoteric but accurate vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Damn it. All right. Or I just like to sound smart sometimes. Exactly. I'm very comfortable sounding like an idiot. I'm very good at it. Uh, okay, my non-Young Justice plug is uh, a comic or a graphic novel called Bloom. I literally picked it up with you yesterday. Oh, you already read it? I already read it, yeah. Wow. It's, it's a quick read. Okay. Um, it's a graphic novel. It's a Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganeshow. Ganeshow? I don't know. Ganusha? I'm really bad about trying to figure out how to pronounce things on the fly. It's, it's not yeah. in my improv wheelhouse. Then again, Same. nothing is. So, uh, but no, it's, it's, a, it's like a, a really sweet graphic novel, very simplistic art. Um, I don't know what happened. It's around it. here somewhere. It's around here somewhere. Um, but you know, it's, everything's kind of done in these like nice shades of blue. It's, it's, it's really pretty. It's basically about this, um, there's like two kids, kids. They're like, they're probably like early 20s and they work in a bakery together. And so it's just like them like, it's gay, obviously, so that's why mm-hmm. I bought it. But it's them like, and it's actually there's there's less gay romance in there than I was expecting. It's much more just kind of like this nice story about like these two people kind of at the same lost at the same point in their lives and like they find each other and there's lots of baking involved and it's it's really sweet. It's really sweet. It's really good. Okay, have you read um, Lost at Sea? No, what's that? It's Brian Lee O'Malley's book before Scott Pilgrim. Okay, uh, it's it's kind of the same. It's 17, 18 year old girl trying to find her place in the world mm-hmm. while on a road trip with her parents. Oh, okay. That uh, cool. And it's kind of mostly told in flashback from her perspective. It's, it's very interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of a nice read. Okay. He has that. And then he has seconds, uh, which is his graphic novel post Scott Pilgrim. Okay. Uh, kind of also about a bakery. Hey, you know, bakeries uh, are great. Yeah, there's kind of like uh, I'm trying to. I remember it's weird. The bakery has like a, a physical spirit, and I don't know. I don't want to get into it because I don't remember it exactly. I just okay, it was, like, it was a very fun read. All right, I'll, I'll throw those in the plugs too. Okay, you can go check those out. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything I, to promote Brian Lee O'Malley because I love true. him so much. You do. But yeah, we did say we would talk about Young Justice, so here we are. We're gonna talk about Young Justice. Uh, I, I only remember one episode or like three episodes. Let me, let me go back through and, and look at yeah, the so episode Yeah, I, I took a glance at like the individual episodes. I don't think there are really a lot of standout. So we're talking the latter half of season three, which yes. just wrapped. Um, I'd say the only memorable episode, and once again, to reiterate, we're going full spoilers on this, is the episode where they address Wally. So oh, it's, it's the penultimate man, episode of the season. So much. And I, so in that episode, basically what happens is, uh, Artemis has been living with uh, 
Will, one of the clones of Roy Harper. Which is just weird sexual tension because yeah. this is her brother-in-law. brother-in-law. Exactly. And so they live together in a house and she lives with her brother-in-law and her niece. Mm-hmm. And they've been living together a long time. They think, look, well, maybe there's a romance there. They have they kiss and then she freaks out because she feels guilty about you know moving on from Wally. And so she decides that she needs to talk to him. It's been two years? Yeah, I think two years. Since yeah. Wally passed? So she... Asks Zatanna to basically overwhelmed send her. Okay, yeah, that's right. To send her to Purgatory to meet with Wally, mm-hmm. and they have a chance to. She has a chance say to see what, what her life could have been like and to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a re- it's just a really heartfelt episode. But I also liked the fact that they they found a way to touch on his passing and to bring him back in a way was wasn't him just reappearing mm-hmm. like the the easy way to add drama to that situation like the way every other show would have done it would have been to have artemis uh you know start dating will to become an item and then all of a sudden boom wally shows, up. wally shows up from the past he escapes yeah. the cp ports he's back he's ready to go but his girl's moved on it's all confused and crazy well, so so this is actually the second appearance of wally in the season because i think oh, the other yeah. one was just as emotional but shorter Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I think, two episodes before that. I think, it's the, I think it was the, the episode breach. before. Oh, is it Into the Breach? It's Yeah, I think it's when they finally go to confront um, Granny Goodness, right? And it's the original team is back together, and Dick has a fever. Yes. And he starts hallucinating that they're all kids again, and Wally's back. And because they're all psychically linked through McGann, they all experience at the same time. Yeah, so, so Dick sees them all yeah, back in their original outfits. Yeah. And as they're fighting these kind of faceless drones, no, they're fighting the parademons. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fighting the parademons. Uh, he sees Wally helping them win the fight. Yeah, and that I think that hit me harder than the the full episode. It's really good because it's yeah. It I mean, they're, that's the thing is that they're they're pretty clever in the writing on this show, mm-hmm. like because it's also like with DC and with comic book franchises as you were bringing up before, it's so easy to bring people back from the dead. It is. And I've, have they actually done that yet in this series? I don't think so. No, everyone who's dead stayed dead. I mean, you know, like, uh, Red Tornado. Oh yeah. He's a robot. And and they, we re-uploaded his conscience. Right. And we did get that, that tease of Jason Todd, but that's a classic story element at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I think he's, kind of the only one. Otherwise the characters that have died have actually stayed dead. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I overall quite liked this, this latter half of the season. Um, there's so many characters. Yeah. And as, as we talked about last night, we, we already had this conversation. Sorry. Didn't Don't save break the, the illusion that we ever hang out outside the podcast. Uh, it's just me talking to a wall and imagining it's you. Exactly. Um, it has about <laughs> as much personality. Yeah. Uh, Every there's so many characters in the season, but every character has their own story arc. Yeah, they're so good at writing everyone to have a purpose and a yeah. reason to be here. Yeah, they they give everyone something to do to varying degrees, and you know I like the fact that this show each season has really focused in on a different group of characters, mm-hmm. um, and you know that means that the original cast has definitely kind of drifted towards the background. But they still give them moments, and I, in particular, I really love that moment where they're all all together again and they have that hallucination like that's really really well done yeah but you know i liked i liked the characters they kind of shifted to this year i liked the beast boy took some prominence mm-hmm. i think it's a really good version of beast boy um well, I mean, one, th- one thing we haven't talked about yet is um the kind of anti-light that batman has set up 
Yeah. And I think that's so fast. I kind of wish we got to see more of that because it's so fascinating. Yeah, Batman Inc., Mm -hmm. basically. Well, I mean, yeah, beyond that. So everyone knows in Young Justice, the light is the the gathering of all the villains coming together for a greater purpose run by Vandal Savage. Yeah. Batman kind of created his own version of that with the heroes playing by the villains' rules. Yes. So we are going to set up the villains to look worse even though we're in control of this, fully in control of the situation. Yeah, it, it's a, it became a battle of image. Yes. And a lot of the younger heroes were kind of put in the crossfires up to the point where when Beast Boy decides he wants to have a, a public team, the Outsiders, that is not under the purview of the Justice League. Or under the, the purview of Miss Martian. Right, the covert team. Yes. Yeah, when he decides to do that, um, to basically have this battle of image because the Justice League is constantly made to look bad by Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Um, even when they decide to do that, Batman is manipulating things behind the scenes so that he's like teeing them up for successes so that they have that sort of popularity. Right. And, I, and I, especially like in the spotlight. Yeah. Like everything I, is, is being filmed did, at exactly I mean, the right time. Did you, how did you feel about their use of like social media and the idea of like a hero's team in a modern era and image being so important, the use of social media. Like, did you think that worked well? Did it feel a little on the nose? What'd you think? About uh, that? I, I, I did think it works well. I think it's like obviously something that, that we need to be talking about now. Yeah. Like how easy it is for someone to rise. And it's, it's kind of the thing that they talked about. The, the only good part of, of dark Phoenix is you can have all of these sequential successes, but it only takes one. Yeah misstep for all of that to go away right and i think they could have maybe even played into that more of like beast boy feeling all that pressure of like no we can't do that you can't like you can't step over there uh because like what if they see you what if yeah. you know like one mistake and you lose all of it and th- actually yeah because I agree. I think they did a pretty good job weaving that in and making it feel natural. But I, I would have liked you right if they had that moment where Beast Boy is like, "Look, none of you get this, mm-hmm. but I'm also a celebrity. Yeah, like I, I know I have friends that have had made like one mistake, and all of a sudden they're blacklisted and they're you know wiped from the social consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's like we are on the precipice of that happening. You don't understand how much this needs to be controlled. Yeah, and even like if they brought Cyborg out and he had one of, like before he was fixed if he had one of his father box attacks and yeah. like have to get him out of the scene before, uh, before it's like caught on film. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, and they're having to like protect themselves and cover their asses and hide yeah. things. Yeah. So like you have the team trying to help Vic and beef was like, no, just get him out of here. Like, I don't care about what's going on. Just get him off the scene. Yeah. Like, no, we, he needs help. He's like, good. Get him help somewhere else. Yeah. And like, why are you being so heartless? It's like, well, because, there's a camera there. There's a camera there. Like, they're seeing this. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see Beast Boy inadvertently picking up some of Batman's paranoia mm-hmm. um, from a different angle, but still, you know, founded. In the yeah. Same and then, and like, Dick having to, like, have to talk him down from it. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about Cyborg. What did you think of their version of Cyborg? I, I think we've talked about this before. I'm tired of the Motherbox Cyborg. Yeah. I, I much prefer the one we get in Doom Patrol and the one in the original Teen Titans. I, I agree. I think the only reason I kind of liked this one is that at least it was really leaned into heavily in other places as well. Like, I think part of it is I really like Halo as a character, mm-hmm. and I liked that her powers came from Mother Box, and so it's like the idea of these the Mother Box and the Father Box like teeing off against each other. Yeah. And I think without 
the other trappings of the um, kind of New Gods technology and Halo, I, I would agree with you that I would have been like, we've done this a lot with Cyborg, yeah. but because they expanded a little bit, I was a little more keen on it. Yeah, I, I was more okay with it now. Yeah, because the whole series kind of revolved around Apocalypse already. Yeah. Next season, if he's still a prominent figure, I'd be more curious about how they do it. Because when he's just like a walking internet, it's kind of boring. Yeah, he gets overpowered mm-hmm. really easily. Yeah, and now that he has full control of Father Box, he's even more overpowered. Yeah. What, what did you think of the uh, um, the inclusion of, is it Morbius? Mobius? Mobius. Mm-hmm. I, I liked him. I was, I was a bigger fan of, um, what's the, the little robot that's with Granny? Oh, um, Overlord? Yeah, I liked Overlord. Yeah, he's I like that. I like that too, actually. I love that he's so tiny. He's a tiny little guy. <laughs> he's like a little, little, little wind-up toy. I, I liked that they really acknowledged that uh, New God's technology is sentient in its own way. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that they never even did in um, Just League ever. Like, the... the, the like the boom tubes, you just had a box to like open the boom tubes. It's basically right. like a fancy garage door opener. Mm-hmm. And I, I will give this show credit for really finding a way to differentiate itself from the DCAU. Sorry, there's a bug on the mic. Oh my god, it's terrifying. <laughs> like they do a really nice job differentiating themselves from the DCAU. Like I, I think Superman and then also Justice League did a really good job with Apocalypse and the New Gods and that sort of interaction. Mm-hmm. So I liked this time they had to find a different angle on it. And I liked... Well, we also didn't see the Justice League. We had them in the first episode. Yeah. And then we kind of didn't see them until they were already on Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that they... Except have... for Batman popping up. Yeah, Batman know, pops up here, here and there. But like, I really liked that they they do still focus on us being young justice that it's, you know, what is, what are these younger heroes doing in this space while the justly exists and finding a way to kind of like naturally bring them to the forefront and still have the stories and a lot of the, the drama focus around them, mm-hmm. even though there's these gods walking amongst them. Yeah. And so I, I liked that they made this season all about like the meta teen trafficking. I think this, this is the template for future X-Men things. Yeah, I would because agree with that. especially focusing on like you have these rehab centers for kids trying to figure out their powers. Yeah, and we have the what? What are the the neck? The bracelets? The called? inhibitor collars. The inhibitor collars. They're like, if you're scared of your power, you can wear this. We're not going to put it on you. Yeah, it's, it's up your to you. choice. Yeah, and like this is this is the template for X Force and for New Mutants. Yeah, and it. They, I thought it was just really cleverly handled all mm-hmm. of that and I, I liked how they focused the season on granny goodness rather than just having it be on dark side like he's still this looming threat in the background yeah but I liked that they kind of expanded the idea of the like the, the orphanage of granny always being this person who goes around and like kidnaps young impressionable talent and corrupts them mm-hmm. and that was but her whole still thing this this image of pure good to yeah, the public exactly like having her be that sort of CEO type I liked mm-hmm. that they did that um, all the way through. Yeah, she she's half. Um, who's who's the the baker that we found out was racist? The baker that we found out yeah, was racist. Yeah, uh, has a lot of very fatty cookbooks. Mario Batali? No, female. Oh, Paula Dean. Yeah, <clears throat> I see. I see. This version of Granny Goodness is half Oprah, half Paula, Paula Dean. Dean. Yeah, <laughs> there is something to be said for that. Actually, yeah, she does kind of fall into that space a little bit. But I, I you know, I liked her i liked all the apocalypse tech um i you know we you had mentioned before i finished the season that you felt like 
they focus on weird things towards the end. Well, I just, I just felt like the episodes were in a weird order. So we, we finished the apocalypse storyline, the third to last episode. Yeah. And then we basically have a filler episode. With Wally. Yeah, which is amazing. It's, really, it's a really good episode. And yeah. then it ends wrapping up the first storyline of the show. So, so it's kind of layers. Yeah. The, you have the Markovia stuff as the opening, as the opening kind of the crust of this storyline. Yes. And then the mantle, is that next? What? The oh, you oh, you're going <laughs> Sorry, for like you're going like an earth core? Yeah. I thought you were going for like a pie metaphor there. And I was like, you basically have the crust and the filling, Cameron. No, Earth, you, you have the 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 crust, the mantle, the inner core, the outer core, the, the, outer the core, magma? Inner core and, and the the middle. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I remember. think that's right. So you have your five I'm not layers. A geologist. Um <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. The Markovia is the crust, and then you have the the mutant. Not mutant. The, the metatine trafficking. The metatine trafficking as the mantle. <laughs> I'm oh going to stick just, with it. Uh, oh, God. As the second layer. He's so determined. The, <laughs> um, and then you have the... I guess the apocalypse stuff is net. Uh, no, I, the I, the light stuff. I, I said the the light and the um the the battle of politics, the battle of image. Yes, falls the, the, the Justice League versus the UN. Yeah. And so, yeah, what, because I, I do know what you And then mean. at the very center, you have Aquaman and his girlfriend, and his boyfriend. Which was, like, not addressed enough. Cause, I know. So It was such a big deal well, when it people, happened. Like, obviously, I was catching up this way later than when it aired. So I had seen or heard that, like, Aquaman was revealed to have a boyfriend. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm really looking forward to this happening. And then I'm watching that episode with that knowledge going in. And there's moments where it's like, oh, like, Aquaman feels like he doesn't get a chance to be himself. I'm like, is this going to be an episode about Aquaman coming out, which I was all for. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I guess, kind of disappointed that it really wasn't actually a plot point. It's basically just at the end of it. He just kisses the dude. I'm like, okay, like, I don't know. I'm two minds about it. I appreciate the fact that they didn't necessarily make it a big deal, but by the fact that it exists, it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess but that's, that's also your point before we, we had this conversation before is like, we need to get to the point where we can have, I think we had this conversation. I, I, we've well, certainly we, had it off air. And yeah. I've had it with everyone all the time. We, like, we need to be at the point where we can have mediocre uh, mediocre gay representation. Right. Because that's, that means it's just normal stuff. It's just normal representation, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't always have to be about a coming out. So I like that. that it, yeah. It, and the same, same with like female-led content. Like, yeah. You can have mediocre female-led content without it being this huge deal of like, this woman ruined the movie. Yeah. Ghostbusters. God, that movie was fine. I mean, Kate McKinnon was in a entirely different film, but I wanted to be in the film See, she was in. I wanted to be in, yeah, the movie that Chris, Chris Hemsworth was in. Yeah, I could have watched just Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and Kate McKinnon. That whole thing would have been fine and dandy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I liked that was in there and that it wasn't really a, was a big Anne deal. Was Anne Hathaway in that movie? No. Why am I imagining Anne Hathaway in that movie? Are you thinking of... I'm, I'm thinking of Ocean's 8. Yeah, I know I that. Think, I think you're thinking of Ocean. But I feel yeah. like Anne Hathaway would have been great in Ghostbusters. She probably would have been. She's great in everything. Yeah. Although I didn't see The Hustle, that remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels came out this year with Rebel Wilson. Oh, I also did not see that. Have you ever seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? No. Really good. Cool. Conversation for a different time. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I mean, I liked that they had that moment even, you know, that it was, I liked that they had it and I guess it, it's actually kind of a good thing that it was underplayed rather than like really built up. Um, but I, I think your point about the 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 plot wrap-up episode is the the third episode when they finally make it out to the orphanage yeah the actual finale yeah like they like 
Halo saves everybody. They rescue the Justice League from the Antilife Equation. I like that I actually now know what the Antilife Equation is. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I yeah. feel like, do they ever actually lay it out specifically in uh, even the DCAU? I feel no, like, I, I had never figured I, that out. I don't know. I have to do my research. It's I the opposite of, of free will. Yeah, it's basically life without free will. And I don't know if I've ever had someone lay it out that way. So I liked that they did in this and that they found like Halo was the key to it and everything. I thought that was all really well done. I like that she saves everybody. And then, you know, the, the plot is wrapped up, but really the, the theme beyond that plot line of this season was about how far do you go before you become the villains again, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of like Batman breaking off from the Justice League to create his own splinter group that's working behind the scenes in this like uh, this sub underground battle of wills, the light. I like that that became the real story of that final episode, mm-hmm. which is what, ha- like, how far do you go before you go too far? Yeah, be- before you become the villain. Yeah. I thought it was really well done, and I liked that at the end of it, the resolution was to hand over leadership of the League to someone with a conscience. Mm-hmm. And I loved that it was Black Lightning. I thought he was great through this whole season yeah. of being this character that... Uh, doesn't know where to draw. like he 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 seems to have from his perspective he has a really solid moral grounding but all the situations he's thrown in make him question whether he's right or not like he believes yeah, there, there's never a hard line in any situation yeah he believes he's right but he keeps finding himself making compromises and i love that at the end of it like batman and nightwing are just like you actually know where the line is we are handing over control of the league to you yeah I really liked that idea and how that wrapped up. Um, but I'm curious for you, what did you think of how they did Tara? Because she's one of your favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they completely... I think everyone was expecting um, Judas Contract Part 3 again. Yeah. Or Version 3. Because mm-hmm. we just had that in, in the movie a couple years ago. Yeah. And again, she's under Deathstroke. And I, I think they handled it in their own unique way. In... in the team knew this was yeah. happening the whole time and they were giving her the choice of, of, you know, being, if they, uh, if she wanted to be good or not. Yeah. Um, and in the end she chose to be good and her brother Baron was the one, not Baron. Um, uh, Geoforce, right? Yeah. Is his name Baron? B- um, Brion. Brion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brion was the one that, that ended up turning for, for the, in his idea, the greater good. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I did, I did kind of, I, th- I think the, the opening explana- explanation was kind of dumb where they're like, well, how did you know? He's like, oh, well, Batman read part of Deathstroke's lips. Yeah. Uh, that he's like, one he's like time subtle he's facial <laughs> cues. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, and like love, he read his facial and twitches. And I love when that's revealed, <laughs> Deathstroke's response isn't, what the fuck does that mean? He's like, yeah, I didn't realize he's like with my mask off. Like recognizing, of course, Batman would know how to pick up on these like subtle facial yeah, like, cues. Fuck off, Batman. You you can't have that power. Like, <laughs> but he can't basically because he's, he's Batman. Because <laughs> he's fucking Batman. It's like, how can we give him mind reading without saying he's a mind reader? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was really impressed by this. And, you know, I, I genuinely think this stands up along with uh, the DCU is just really good um, comic book adaptations. And, and I think what's kind of interesting is this definitely takes turns with everything, mm-hmm. right? Like this does things that other DC properties aren't doing. Like the main heroes are definitely put to the sidelines. Like Calderon is the new Aquaman now, for example. They're constantly changing out the heroes. They're doing different versions of Cyborg, Halo. Like they're... Beast Boy, like, they're totally reinventing a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the reason it works here is one, the writing is actually really good. Yeah, and they're not basing it off really anything. Yeah, it's all really unique. And and I, I think too, we as fans can be kind of, if you will, forgiving, although that doesn't even feel like the right word to use, of these departures and these drastic changes because we've already gotten the straight down the line version. Because at the end of the day, like the DCAU, except for maybe towards the end, wasn't really swinging for the fences in a lot of ways. Like it was just delivering really, really good, pretty straightforward adaptations of comic stories and characters. Mm -hmm. It wasn't trying to reinvent everything. It got a chance to be the first version of those things and just do it really, really well. Right. And I think everything else since then has had to find a way to differentiate itself. And I think you get that to varying degrees. I think like maybe the first two seasons of the Batman are really good and subsequent seasons aren't so good. I think I'm still way behind on it, but Brave and the Bold is its own weird thing. Yeah. And embrace itself. And I think Young Justice is just really well written and really leans into its differences. And well, I, th I think, so you brought this up in the last recording of, are we getting to the point where we're done with super normal superhero stories and we're getting to the Watchmen's, the boys, yeah. these kind of anti-hero hero stories. And I think Young Justice fills the void that, that I was trying to say of like, we're still going to have heroes be heroes, but they're just going to be in, 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 in that moral gray area the whole time. Well, and they, I mean, actually that's a really good point. I think that Young Justice is the closest, and this is going to sound weird, the closest to DC's answer to the MCU. Yes. Because they are still heroes being heroes. So the full costumes, the villains, all those classic things. But there is modern commentary interwoven organically into the stories. And they're taking risks and making changes, but for the betterment of a good story rather than just for the sake of being weird. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that is the space where you're going to find... I think that's where you have to go with this sort of stuff to find success. I mean, this is kind of us teeing up what'll be coming very shortly as a conversation on the Joker when it finally comes out and to see how we feel oh, about man. that. I'm like, I'm still not particularly excited about it. I don't really care that it's getting good reviews. I, I'm just so fascinated about what will happen to society. Yeah. After I think that as I've, as I've said my joke many a time off air, the Joker is going to be Pickle Rick 2.0. Yeah. And that's, that's like the extreme fear for me. Yeah. Is I get to be an asshole because I'm Pickle Rick. I get to be an asshole because yeah. I'm the Joker. I'm the Joker. Look at me in my white face. I'm an asshole. Yeah, I'm, I I don't think that's the answer. Like I, th I think now having finished Young Justice, I realize now what things like the Joker, like what about the Joker bothers me, which is you aren't really embracing the thing itself. You are doing your own weird thing and capitalizing on IP. Mm -hmm. And that's not what Young Justice is doing. Young Justice is a really sincere, good DC story that's making worthwhile changes rather than just being like, let's take only the things we really want. Right. Um, and I think when it's done at that really mainstream level, I'm a lot less forgiving of it too. Because the thing is, is even though we have a surplus of superhero movies, at the end of the day, you only really get one shot at a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. right? It's like, we've talked about this before. That's why something like BVS is so disappointing. Cause like they basically had their one shot at doing the death of Superman and ruined it. X-Men had two shots at dark Phoenix and ruined it. Right. And it's like when you only get really one go at something, you got to do it well. Exactly. And that's why I think the MCU has been so good as they, t they really take their one shot 
and they make the most out of yeah, it. Yeah, they give it everything they got. Yeah, and I, I, I just don't think DC's doing it with their films, and I don't really think they're doing it with their a lot of their directed DVD stuff, which we, we talked last week about mm-hmm. um, Hush, and it was kind of underwhelming. And I think that feels like a an earnest but not really fully baked attempt to do kind of a sincere story, and I, whereas Young Justice is. I, I, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed this season. Yeah, of Young it, it's still, I think, the best of the modern superhero shows. Yeah. No, I'd absolutely agree with that. So mm-hmm. well done. Brandon Vietti, right? Isn't he the, the main creative force behind it? That sounds like the right name. Let's say it is. Yes. Well done. Brandon mm-hmm. did some good shit. And, and with a quick, quick coming up behind it, Titan season two, has you just started. You started. I have, I'm not going to talk about it yet. I think we'll, we'll I, here's what we'll do is we'll do the first two episodes next week. I'll, I'll try and get caught up by then. Okay. We, we won't do what we did the, the past. Like, right, where it's like one and one. Well, yeah, that's I, too exhausting. Yeah, that's I think, too negative. I think, I think we'll, we'll do what we've been doing with this, which is like utilizing a part of plugs. bat plugs to like dive in a little bit deeper on on something. So yeah. we'll do that next week for uh, the first couple episodes of Titans because I think there will be things to talk about, I imagine. So, uh, But until then... Thanks for listening. Cameron, thank, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So happy to. the guest. <laughs> <laughs> It's been an honor to be the guest it's in the, the guest 130 of 130 episodes. episodes of this podcast that you do every week. Uh, no, but it's an absolute pleasure. It's also hotter than hell in here, so we'll, let's, let's, let's get... Well, you get to leave. I'm going to keep being here. Well, you, you get to turn the air up higher. That's absolutely true. I can have the air conditioning on from this point on. Uh, but no, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, appreciate it, as always. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Young Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear if you know of any good smoking games. And also, what's your favorite Hall of Mirrors trope? That's right. What's your favorite use of Hall of Mirrors in a film or TV series? Exactly. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Gmail uh, with answers to all those questions, please. We would love, love to hear your thoughts. Uh, of course, we would appreciate reviews on iTunes. Uh, helps somehow with the metrics. I don't know how that works exactly. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, it's just, it's just nice. It's nice to hear those sort of things. And of course, we'll read out your reviews on air. Uh, Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at camdexter underscore vin- Nope. At cameron.dexter. <laughs> and if you want to see my face, you can find that at camdexter underscore ventures. <laughs> that's the one. That's, that's the one. I've been, I've been posting I mean, drawings again. You have been. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know. I, uh, you did some Disney stuff. You did those awesome monkeys. Mm-hmm. I got more coming out soon. I've been doing a lot of monkey drawings. They've been keeping Love me it. sane. Love it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it's I, been I, a week. It, it, I do find it funny. I feel like there's this weird sort of like cosmic synchronization that happens where it's like people kind of go through the same thing at the same times. And you and I both were like having really kind of crazy weeks there at the same time. But mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like we're both kind of past, we, past yes, it a little we, bit, right? Hopefully not in the eye of the storm. Yeah, I think I think the storm has more or less passed, mm-hmm. and we we weathered it. We did it together. Yes, we did. We did it. Where can they find you, Chris? Uh, you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, I need to start posting more things to both of those. That's fine. In due time. You don't need to. You don't need to to join this crazy world. No, it's not fun. Eh, it's kind of fun. It can be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thanks, everybody. Always appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.